And I want to say a word of uh, thanks and a word of welcome to everybody watching online. Would you give everybody watching online a round of applause this morning? Um, it's amazing uh, to hear the stories of, of where people are connecting, how they're connecting. Uh, somebody last week had a sprained ankle. Hey, watching from home. Somebody else you know, is immunocompromised in our church, and now they can't come to worship any longer for the time being, and so now they're able to worship from home. They are uh, church members who have, have moved elsewhere, and they're still searching for a church home, but they're able to connect with us from afar. And so we are grateful for uh, technology that enables the Holy Spirit to connect us uh, across space. And so uh, this morning, um, we're going to be looking um, at uh, one of Paul's letters and some words of Jesus. And we'll, we'll start by looking at a uh, a couple of important things that Jesus said to his disciples after his resurrection. And now, uh, you can imagine they had seen Jesus die, and now he was there in a resurrected body. So you can imagine they paid attention to what Jesus was saying. In Matthew 28, here's one of the important things he said to them. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go... Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded to you. And there Jesus entrusted his followers with his mission. He entrusted his followers with his mission. He basically said to them, hey, you know what? I was teaching, now I want you to teach. I was healing and caring for people physically and spiritually. Now I want you to do that. I was meeting people where they were and giving them hope and helping them experience salvation. Now I want you as my followers to go and do that. He entrusted his mission to his followers. That was the first important thing he said to them. And then the second was this, one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, just before he ascends into heaven, he says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he entrusts his mission to his followers, he says, I am going to empower you to live out that mission. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit into your life to energize you, to equip you, to sustain you, to give you the ability to do, he says elsewhere, even greater things than I have done when I was walking this earth. And so he promises the Holy Spirit is going to equip you to live out this mission I have entrusted to you. And if you, if you read scripture and you look at church history, here's what happened. The church began doing it. The church began living out this mission, and their communities began to change, their countries began to change, the world began to change, and the mission continues today. The mission he entrusted to his disciples, he has entrusted to us as a church. His mission is now our mission. The Holy Spirit he sent into their lives is the same Holy Spirit that empowers us to live out this mission. And this morning, I want to talk with you about one way, one specific way the Holy Spirit empowers us to live as Jesus' hands and feet here today, and that is that the Holy Spirit equips every believer in Jesus Christ with spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit equips every believer in Jesus Christ with spiritual gifts so that we can live out 
Christ's mission he has given to us. And, and, and so you may not believe this, you may not think this, but I want you to turn to your neighbor right now. I want you to turn to them and say, you are gifted. Okay, turn to your neighbor, say, you are gifted. Everybody online, you are gifted. Some of you don't, you don't even, y'all, y'all didn't even say it like you believed it, right? You're looking at the person next to you and you're like, I don't know what your gift is, but he said you have one. Right? When we think of gifting, we, we, we think a lot of times in our culture, uh, we have a certain way of thinking about it, right? We think of somebody, okay, who's gifted at basketball, Shaq, right? Okay, we think of Shaquille O'Neal. I want him to come here one day. If you're watching Shaq, come on down here. Uh, Shaq, we think about Shaq being gifted. We think about, you know, children being gifted, you know, in school. Okay, they have above average intelligence and, you know, okay, they're able to, to do that. We think about children being gifted or we think about as we come into Thanksgiving, people in our families being gifted with the ability to make delicious pies and desserts. Anybody in here? I know Maureen is gifted at, at cooking. Who else is? Okay, you're pointing to the people, right? You know who is gifted in your family with these things. When we talk about being gifted in our culture, usually we're talking about natural talents and abilities and, and skills that people have. And those are great things. But that's not exactly what we're going to be talking about this morning when we're talking about spiritual gifts. Because when we're talking about spiritual gifts, we're not talking about uh, things that are occurring naturally in our lives. We're actually talking about things that are occurring supernaturally in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about supernatural, and now this is going to sound crazy, we're talking about supernatural abilities the Holy Spirit equips you and I with so that we can live out Christ's mission together. And the good news is, Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ and has the Holy Spirit living in them gets a gift. Everyone gets a gift, and every gift makes a difference. And now, this idea of spiritual gifts, uh, it's been confusing for a lot of people. Uh, It's been kind of like, okay, we don't understand it for a lot of people. It's it's over times, it's it's divided churches, it's separated groups of Christians, and and this is nothing nothing new. Even right after the church was birthed and and people began receiving these spiritual gifts after Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, there began to be controversy and confusion and all sorts of stuff. And so Paul, in one of his letters, uh, his letter to the church in Corinth, he addresses these things because, because people had these spiritual gifts and they're using their spiritual gifts. Uh, but, but what was happening is some people who had, maybe let's call them flashier gifts, were kind of thinking that they were elite Christians. And they're up here and they're looking down on everybody else. And then there were other people who had spiritual gifts and they're like, yeah, my gift is, eh, I don't know, no, who wants this one? You know, they're kind of looking down here. There was other people, maybe this is you today, uh, they were just like uninformed. They had never heard about any of this before. They're like, this sounds kind of like weird stuff. I don't know what's going on. And so there was people uninformed. There were people all over the board when it came to this idea and reality of spiritual gifts. And so Paul in his letter to the Corinthians, chapters 12 through 14, he begins addressing some of these things so he can clarify the purpose, the nature, the role of spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. And so this morning, I'm going to read, we're going to read a little more scripture than usual. We're going to read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then this week, I encourage you, read chapter 13, read chapter 14, where Paul continues to address these things. So if you have your Bible, I'll invite you to open it up, or we'll have it on the screen here as well. 
uh, beginning in verse 1, where Paul writes this. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now here I want you to note in verse 3, Uh, Let's go back. Verse 3 where he says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. What he's saying is that if you profess Jesus is Lord with your life and you believe that in your heart, then you have the Holy Spirit in you. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit living and working in them. In verse 4 he says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, Miraculous powers to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between the spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't stop for that reason being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing and helping, of guidance and of different tongues. And here he begins to ask some rhetorical questions where the obvious answer is no. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? 
Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, there was a lot there. But, but, but here in this passage, is, I think it's a beautiful passage of Scripture. Paul makes some, some key points. One is that as Christians, we have unity in Christ and yet diversity in the gifts that we've been given. We have unity in Christ. I mean, he gives this image of the body, right? It's an unforgettable image, and it's a, it's a great one, right? We are one body. There are ears, there are toes, there are baby toes, there are mouths. There are, like, we are part of one body, yet each of us have different gifts and a unique role to play in the body of Christ and in the mission that Jesus has given us. We have unity, but in the midst of unity, we also have diversity, and then he says this, he, he says, also want you to know with your spiritual gifts, they're meant to be used for the common good. They're meant to be used for the common good. And this was important then and it's important now because sometimes what, what was happening is that, that people had spiritual gifts and they began to use them to build their own platforms and to build their own little kingdoms and to puff themselves up rather than building up the kingdom of God. And using them for the common good of everybody, the church and the community and beyond. And so Paul, he he reminds people these are for the common good. And and there's one pastor who I've learned a lot about spiritual gifts from named Mike Pilavachi. He, He says this, Paul is reminding us here, spiritual gifts are not status symbols for the spiritually elite. Instead, they're more like tools. They're more like tools given to everyday, weak Broken people like you and me so that we might see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We've all been given a gift. Every gift matters. And in this series called Entrusted, we've been talking about what it means when God entrusts us with something like Jesus's mission or our finances or in this case our spiritual gifts and we've been talking about uh, one we realize that we aren't owners they're they're given to us freely by God and two we're to manage them according to his will and his way we're to be good stewards of what's been entrusted to us and so I think when it comes to spiritual gifts there are three key things I want to encourage you to do so that you can be good stewards of the gifts God has given you. And the first one is this. The first is that you needed to discover your spiritual gifts. Discover your spiritual gifts. Some of you, you you might be familiar and you're already thinking, okay, I kind of know what my spiritual gifts are. Others of you, you're like, I never heard of this stuff in my entire life. But first, you need to discover your gifts. And I want to do a poll here. How many of you, we have Christmas coming up, and I, I, I know people, supply chain issues, everybody, go ahead and buy stuff now, okay? Because it's it, you need to get it now. But so when I was growing up, you know, people shopped later. But every once in a while, you know, people would buy gifts and they would hide them in the house. So I want to know how many of you were the type growing up, you would search your house. You would ransack that place looking for any gift that was waiting for you. Okay, you were eager. You were ex- That's a lot of people. Okay, how many of you were patient? 
you were loving to your parents. You just said, you know, I'm going to wait and see what people give me. And then on Christmas morning, you, you ask for a knife and you cut the wrapping paper and you fold it and you say, let's recycle it for next year. Okay, how many are in the first group? How many are in the first group? How many are in the second group? Okay, I, I want to say this. I don't, I don't want to tell you how to run your household. You, you can be patient at Christmas. You can do all that. But I think when it comes to spiritual gifts, Paul wants us to be like the first group, okay? <laughs> Clap for yourselves. Paul, Paul wants us to be like the first group. He wants us to be excited. He wants us to go through a process of discovery. In 12, chapter 12 and in chapter 14, verse 1, he says this. He says, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Eagerly desire. Go after them. Search for them. Discover the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to you. And when it comes to discovering the gifts that the Spirit has given us, uh, there's a number of different ways you can approach this. But I think one is, is first to look in Scripture at the different lists of spiritual gifts. Because we see in some different places lists. So, I mean, that's the first place just to kind of familiarize yourself. And so, in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4, we, we see different gifts. And I have a list here on the screen we'll put up for you. So, we have the gift of administration. Being an apostle, one who helps establish new ministries and new contexts. Discernment, recognizing what is of God and isn't of God. Evangelism, that's simply sharing the good news with others, the gift of encouragement. Faith, giving, healing, serving, helping, hospitality, that's creating welcoming spaces. There's the gift of knowledge, leadership, mercy, sharing compassion with others. There's a gift of prophecy. This is discerning and expressing God's truth for God's people. There's serving. There's speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. This is when the Holy Spirit speaks in an earthly language, maybe you don't know through you, or in, in a heavenly language. There's teaching. There's shepherding. There's wisdom relating biblical truth to everyday day life. And, and now, th this is a list, and, and, and theologians will debate exactly how many gifts there are, exactly what should be on the list and shouldn't be on the list. So I want you to, to see this list as kind of a descriptive list of some of the gifts the Holy Spirit might have given you, not like a definitive one-all, be-all list. And it's important when, when you begin seeing these, I think the first step to ask yourself when you're discovering your spiritual gifts is just to say, huh, Perhaps the Holy Spirit gave that gift to me. I mean, you can begin looking at your own life, right? And kind of recognizing perhaps how God has been at, been at work in it. I mean, maybe, maybe you're just a super hospitable person. You love welcoming people and creating those environments of welcoming, help people feel at ease. I mean, maybe, maybe for you, like that's just been a part of your, your story. Maybe for you, when you see administration, you hate all administration. So maybe that's not your gift. Maybe that's not a gift of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe... Maybe you have friends always coming to you seeking wisdom and discernment for their life and life decisions. You can begin to kind of look back at your own life and think about how, how God has been at work and perhaps equipping you with these gifts, even if you were never able to name them before. And so I think that's, that's, a, that's a first step. But then there's also talking to other people, talking to people in your life who know you really well. And saying to them, hey, what, what spiritual gifts do you think I might have? Like, I don't think I have any, but, 
usually people who know you well can actually begin to help you see what you might not be able to see yourself. And then if you've ever uh, gone through kind of the membership class here, you know one of the things we do is known as a spiritual gifts assessment. And if you Google list of spiritual gifts, you can find all lists online. If you Google spiritual gifts assessment, you'll find the assessments online. They're kind of like uh, little quizzes that ask you about 100 questions about your life and your experiences and, and help you see perhaps how the Holy Spirit might it have gifted you. They're not, they're not scientific experiments. They're just tools to help you begin to discover your unique gifting. And then once, once you're kind of doing all of that, and I'll, I'll send an email, a link in my weekly email this week with, a, with an assessment so you can take one if you haven't in a while. With all of that, I would also say as you begin to, to serve and, and live out your spiritual gifts, you'll begin to get confirmation or maybe not get confirmation along the way about the unique gifts you might have. And now I'll just say this because whenever, whenever I teach or preach on the spiritual gifts, people are always drawn to what some people call the supernatural gifts. I would say all of these gifts are supernatural, so that's not the right term. But some people would say, okay, there's the more charismatic gifts, the gifts that, that maybe you know, people start getting a little uncomfortable. Okay, you have speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, healing, miracles, and it's like, okay, you know, the question rises, like, do people actually get those gifts? Like, is that a, is that a thing today? And, and there are some, some Christians, some churches, people of good faith who would say, actually, no, um, some of the spiritual gifts stopped at a certain point in church history. Uh, but I would actually be in the other group that says, yes, I do believe God continues to give all of the spiritual gifts to the church today. And, and the reason I say that is, one, when you look in Scripture, as Paul is listing out the gifts, he doesn't, he doesn't list out these gifts as like a separate column. And he's like, hey, here are like these, like, okay, these are the special gifts or the unique gifts. He lists like miracles next to administration, okay? He, he's mixing them all up together. He's not saying any of these are some supernatural above and beyond the others. Uh, two, when we look in the book of Acts at the early church, and in church history, we, we see... We see those disciples after Jesus entrusted his mission to them. We see them going around and healing people. We see them healing people and people coming to know Jesus. We see people speaking in tongues. We see the Holy Spirit guiding them and giving them wisdom and and discernment of where to go and where not to go. We see these gifts on display in the early church and throughout church history. And then the other reason I would say is, you know, in my own experience, I have witnessed different of these gifts being used at different times. But, but even way back in Paul's day, even at that time, some of these gifts were already kind of dividing the church. And they're like, okay, you know what? You need to do this. Or if you haven't had this gift, you're not a real Christian and all this. So, so Paul in chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14 especially, he's addressing all of this. And one of the things he says is he says, look, remember, the spiritual gift should always be used in a spirit of love, not in a spirit of any kind of elitism. And he says, remember, all of the spiritual gifts are always used for the common good, for the upbuilding of God's kingdom, not for anyone to separate themselves and build their own kingdoms. So when it comes to the spiritual gifts, I think the first step is beginning to discover 
Discover what your spiritual gifts are. And then the second step I would say is this. It is developing your spiritual gifts. Developing your gifts. And now this might seem a little odd because if you think about it, okay, if the Holy Spirit gives the gift, why would I need to develop it? But I would say our spiritual gifts are, are really in need of development. That's part of being a good steward because when the Holy Spirit gives us these spiritual gifts, a lot of times we might say they're in like seed form. So they're in our lives, but God desires us to develop them, to grow into them, to begin using them and growing in these areas. And when I think about developing spiritual gifts, I think about the first sermon I ever preached in a church. I was an intern at a, at a large Methodist church in Atlanta where they weren't going to let me preach because it was too big of a church. They're not going to give the pulpit to, to, to little me. So they said, hey, we got a country church. It doesn't have a pastor, but they need a preacher this Sunday. So I said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I worked hard all week long. I was up until like 4 a.m. the Saturday night before finalizing the message. I was so stressed about it. And so then I get in my car. I'm going to the outskirts of Atlanta. I'm driving. And I get to the intersection before the church, and there are about 10 cars all on fire right there in flames. And my message, it was, I was like, God, this, this, this ain't going to work. Because the message was on a, a woman's son who was raised from the dead. And I'm like, I don't know if you're raising anybody from the dead today, but like, this is not going to be the right message for these people who've experienced great tragedy. And I'm praying. I'm like, God, I can't do this. Oh, I don't know. And then I get to the church. There are lay leaders out front. And I'm like, ah, sir, I'm so sorry. This is terrible. And he says, that? They're filming The Walking Dead over here, okay? I was like, oh, my gosh. So I get in. I was like, oh, my gosh. I get in there. And then they had double booked the preacher. There were two preachers. And I was like, I'm preaching today because I prepared all night. And so I said, you know what? You can come back next week. This is my one shot. So I get in there. My family came. They doubled the attendance of the church. And did the Holy Spirit work that day in the midst of that tiny church that is now closed? Yes. Was it a good sermon by any objective measure if you were to go back and listen to it now? No. But we all start somewhere when it comes to the spiritual gifts that God has given us. And we're called to develop them. And so in that season, you know, I, I was discerning, okay, God, I think you've maybe given me the gift of, of teaching and preaching and sharing with God's people, but like, I don't know, but God was calling me to step out into faith and to, to explore and, and to develop and to grow. And that's what he wants each of us to do with our gifts as well. He wants us to develop them. We can do that by putting them into practice. By talking with other people, you know, if you have a spiritual gift in here and you don't know anybody else with it, talk to me. I'll try to connect you with somebody else who's been doing this for a while. And you can say, how do you live out your spiritual gift of, of giving? I don't understand. Or how do you do this? You can begin to talk to other people. You can begin to research online and read scripture and grow and develop in these things. And I'll say this, piggybacking on, on what Gene said earlier, return to Bethlehem as a church is an amazing opportunity we have for you to develop your spiritual gifts. You might be in here and you might feel like 
you have spiritual gifts kind of involving prayer, but I mean, that's kind of scary. And like, when are you going to do that? Are you going to go to people on the street and pray for them? Like, you don't know. But hey, we have a prayer tent at Return to Bethlehem. And you can simply offer prayer to people and begin to develop that. Maybe you feel like it's hospitality. We have a hospitality team who you can connect with and you can begin seeing how others are, are living it out. If you have the gift of leadership, Jean will give you a leadership role. <laughs> she will deploy. She will give it to you, right? Like, like we have these gifts and this is a great opportunity as a church to begin developing them in a safe place with other Christians to say, okay, let's try it out. Let's try out our spiritual gifts and let's begin to grow in them together. And that, that brings me really to the last point. The way we begin discovering and developing them is, is ultimately by deploying our spiritual gifts. By putting them into practice. First Peter 4.10 says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. It's pretty, pretty plain. God's saying, don't, don't deny your gifts. Don't downplay your gifts. Don't hide your gifts. I've given them to you for my mission and for my glory. Put them into practice. And I was reading this week, you know, as we come to that time of the year where we're, we're buying all sorts of stuff and gift cards have become popular the last couple of years. I was reading this week that, that 51% of gift cards go unused. They're sitting in drawers, sitting in desks. Over $15 billion of gift cards are out there that haven't been used. People gave them out of love for a purpose, and yet they're doing nothing. And when it comes to our spiritual gifts, God's saying, look, I've given it to you for a purpose. Don't leave it in the drawer. Don't, don't leave it on the table. Put it into action. And there's one pastor... Jim Harnish, who helped me kind of see what's at stake with this when he, he said this. He said, you know, there are children in our community who will never know the stories about Jesus' life if people with the gift of teaching don't teach them. There are people in our communities who are hopeless, who are desperate, who are, are just hanging on for dear life, who will never experience the good news of Jesus if people with the gifts of evangelism don't tell them. There are ministries in our church that, that God is waiting to birth that will never impact our community if people with the gift of leadership don't step up. There are people, and this happens regularly, I know this, there are people who step foot into churches like ours who wake up that morning and say, God, I'll give it one more shot, but that's all I got. I'll give you one more Sunday. And if people with the gift of hospitality don't welcome them, they may never come back. That's what can happen when we don't begin deploying the gifts 
that the Holy Spirit has entrusted to us. But when we do begin living them out, when we begin discovering, developing them, and deploying them, and using them for the common good and for God's glory, amazing things happen. Transformation happens. Salvation happens. Hope happens. Beautiful things begin to happen. And we get to be a part of God's work in this world. And this week as I was thinking about, okay, what does it look like when we come together as the body of Christ and use our gifts? The the image came to mind of those virtual choirs. I don't know if you remember seeing those that kind of came about during COVID, really popular, where people are in all different locations. People have all different types of gifts. And yet they come together. And as they come together and they bring what they have, God does something beautiful with it. And that's what happened here. I'm going to play a video for you at uh, Harvest Church in California so you can see what it's like when that happens. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow, because He lives, all fear is gone, because I know Ben leads us in our closing song. Uh, we have some some members of our prayer ministry team um, who who are going to be willing to offer prayer for you as we close. And so we'll have some different people in the different corners of the room. You can go ahead and go there uh, if uh, you're part of our prayer team and would be willing to pray for people this morning. And uh, if you need prayer for anything in your life, maybe maybe you want to say, "I will somebody pray for me to just say, Holy Spirit, would you help me understand my gifts or know what they are." Maybe you've been afraid 
to begin living out of your spiritual gifts. Say, hey, would you, would you pray for boldness in my life? Maybe, maybe you have, a, you know, you need healing. You need guidance. You need God's touch. We, we have people who would love to pray for you and ask the Holy Spirit to do that in your life. Or, or if you know people who are sick or you just need prayer for anything, we want to offer that as our gift to you this morning as we, we close and as we sing together. So would you stand and would you worship with us and receive prayer if you'd like.